Way back in 1991, two academics, William Strauss and Neil Howe, came up with a theory about a generational cycle in American and Western history. And in their theory, they defined 13 different generations, starting from the founding of the American colonies and running right up to the publication of their book. Actually, it goes farther back than those 13, but that's where they focused on. Their work is partially responsible for the way that marketers talk today about different generations, like Generation X, Millennials, who are at one point also called Generation Y and Gen Z, which some academics like to call the homeland generation. So why the long introduction about generations to start this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast? Well, our guest for this episode is Carolyn McMurray. She's a member of Generation Z and the founder of a copywriting group exclusively for Gen Z copywriters. We asked her about how she got her start in copywriting, building a portfolio, outdated writing advice, overcoming writer's block, and what to do if you're writing to Gen Z. Stick around. This is a pretty good discussion. That might be your most Rob Marsh-esque introduction that you've ever created. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So before we jump into the interview, uh, if you haven't heard yet, we just launched our newest podcast, AI for Creative Entrepreneurs, which officially has dropped this week with new episodes, which we'll share regularly on YouTube and um, also wherever you stream your podcasts. So again, that's AI for creative entrepreneurs. You can also check out the site um, where you can sign up for regular updates so you never miss an episode as we're trying our best to figure out what's happening with AI and apply it in our businesses and um, in our creative lives. And uh, we won't pass up the opportunity to also mention our mastermind, the Copywriter Think Tank which is, I mean, in my opinion, the best place to go if you are a writer and you want to figure out what is the next thing in your business, the next offer, the next product, the next revenue stream. Um, we've really figured out how to help writers create a pivot in their business and um, achieve that next level result, whatever that is for you. And you can learn more about that mastermind um, and coaching experience at copywriterthinktank.com. Okay, let's kick off our episode with Carolyn McMurray. So basically, my journey, I'd say, started when I was about 17. So no one had told me about copywriting at school. It was always like become a teacher. I was doing a lot of like my own blog stuff and like social media captions just for myself. Uh, but I never knew that it could be a career so I thought let's go to university study business because everyone was saying you should study business and I hated it I left after a month went back again to study English because I was I was better at that I liked it I just it just wasn't it wasn't me I just didn't like being told what to read and like Shakespeare I like Shakespeare but I don't like I don't know I, it wasn't for me and while I was there I actually ended up doing a, a bit of blog writing for this like this law firm and again, they, they didn't tell me it was copywriting and I didn't clock that this was copywriting. It was just like writing for a law firm. And then in some kind of funny stroke of luck and in that kind of same month, I found out about freelance copywriting and I was like, oh, wow, I'm kind of, I could do what I've been doing for the past couple of years already and make a living out of it and travel and be my own boss. And it kind of sounded like a gimmick, like, I don't know, like a scam. I was like, can you even do that? And then I found out you could quit my parents were really upset with me. Um, moved back home, spent a month building a portfolio. And then from there, it's just kind of been, been building up. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I want to go back to the, the month of business school. Tell me, I, I graduated with a, a degree in business and actually second degree in business, but tell me what you hated about it. Like, and maybe more important because I think a lot of people like get into something and get started with something that they hate. I had this experience with law school actually, and they don't know how to get out. And so I'm curious, like, why was it okay to quit? So first of all, the reason I didn't like it, I think if I went back now with the mindset I have now to study business, obviously running this community is almost like a business. So it would have helped. But back then it was, they were throwing around words that I just didn't understand. And I don't think they properly, 
I don't know. It was. It just wasn't explained well enough. Maybe it was just that university, and there was a bit of like maths involved. I'm very, very like bad at maths, so I didn't stick it out. I probably would have enjoyed it if I had, if I could go back now. But I think I, I just quit because I didn't like it. Like I didn't really think too much about it. I just, and also I just knew I wasn't going to be able to get a good grade. Like if I stayed, so I was like, there's no point staying in something that I'm not fully enjoying. When did you feel like, okay, I can do this copywriting thing. I've got it. Was there a moment? Probably in my second gig. So the first one I got was, was, it was, it was good. It was a starting point. Um, I think it was like 30 pounds per 1000 words, which is not really normal, but I was like, I'm just going to take it. But the second one was when I started really feeling like I understood things and I was starting to know and value my worth a lot more and charge like a proper rate. And yeah, that's the second one was for an agency in Dubai. And that's kind of when I felt like, okay, I'm really starting to, to get the hang of it now. And that's a bit ambitious. I think it was like six months later. So, but yeah, I felt like I'd kind of gotten it then. Tell us about that process. You went home after leaving school and you spent a month building your portfolio. What was that thinking process like? What were you writing? What did you want to include so that you could use that to build your business? So I, I went back home and for me, building the portfolio was just something I really needed to do because obviously I didn't, I didn't have any experience and it seemed like every job was asking for experience and I was like I don't have any so I thought let me just build a sample up like let me build like samples up of my work and obviously I didn't actually have anything to begin with so I wrote a few things for brands like made up like spec pieces made it clear it was a spec piece I think one of them was for Airbnb um, like a blog post uh, I also emailed two companies they were both startups one was kind of like a healthcare thing and then the other one was what was it? it was kind of this app for like food and I said how hey, I'm starting out I would love to write something to you for free and they said yes yeah and that's kind of how how it started off because I, I didn't mind taking work for free because I felt like there was really no other option at the time for me I, there were no internships running and another part of the reason if I'm being like super honest I love my parents but there were just some issues there like you know, it's not a completely sane family. So I just needed to get out. So that was also another really big push just to, to do it quickly. So what advice would you give to other, you know, Gen Zers who are like, no, they don't want to do business school. They don't want to do these other things that have been pushed toward them. And they might be interested in something creative like copywriting. What do you wish you were told earlier on when you were just getting started? I think I mean, I think building a portfolio and everything, you can go down that route and, and dive straight in. That's that's great. I probably wouldn't have dived straight into freelancing. That was quite difficult. I probably would have gone in-house first and, and learned properly for a year or two and, and just had more stability. I'd probably also say there's other options, right? Like ad school, portfolio school. I probably would have done that if, if I could go back because that seemed really interesting and more specific to copywriting. I would have maybe done a copywriting course. I know you don't need to do it to get into it, but I do think it would have massively helped me and like sped up the process. And also just joining a community, any kind of copywriting community doesn't have to be mine. It can be like your guys's or like anyone, I think just to get that support and not just be completely by yourself. Cause I, I didn't have anyone to talk to. So I was kind of like making stuff up as I went. I think all of those are really good points, really good advice, you know, and actually some of my career follows, you know, some of that advice. I think um, oftentimes we skip forward. We're like, oh, we're so excited about jumping into the thing that sometimes the we skip over those first steps. I'm curious, Carolyn, like, okay, you, you built the portfolio, you know, you've had one or two clients. What was the next steps? Like, how did you identify the kinds of clients that you wanted to work with, you know, niche? Uh, and what was the kind of work that started coming your way? And I think ultimately, I'd love to know how that's like changed over the course of your business. So at the start, I think for a good while, I didn't know who I wanted to write for. It was, it was to me, I'm not going to lie. I think for me at the start, it was just about money. Like, I just want to get more money. This, you know, what can I get to get the next increase in the day rate and stuff like that? So I ended up like going into tech. It paid quite well and I, I did enjoy it. I actually still do it a bit now. Some of it can be a little bit dry though sometimes. I mean, I'm working with someone and then they called it like, they, 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 they look like they're going to change their stance a bit and make it a bit more fun that they wanted. They called it, I think they said, add tech on Coke. 
And I was like, okay, that's going to be a fun one to do, not just dry stuff. Yeah, and I'm still doing that, but I I, um, I also, well, I don't do it anymore. I used to work for this agency that did copywriting for brands like TikTok and Anidas, and they would like swear and, and be really ballsy. And I really like that. But now that I'm running the community, I've kind of taken, I'm still doing copywriting, but I've, I've kind of scaled it down a bit so I can focus more on the community. So yeah, my niche, I pretty much say it's still evolving. I'm still pretty much in tech. I wouldn't mind changing up one day, but for now, I'm happy with that kind of thing. But yeah, I probably like experiment in, in the future. Like I'm still, there's still many years ahead of me. So I'm wondering what advice you feel like you've heard, you've been told, you know, maybe even on podcasts like this one or other similar ones where you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but that doesn't really apply to me or people like me or people my age. Um, if any specific examples stand out. That's a good one. I think one I saw, which is probably, this is a bit of a fringe example. This is like one, I feel like kind of the bad one. I think most people wouldn't say this, but one was saying something like, stop applying to to applications, like, like gigs that you have no experience for, that don't meet all the exact requirements because you're wasting our time. And I was like, I don't really agree with that. Like there's so many times that I've had to apply to gigs and not had a degree, uh, not had like three years of experience, and it says it's like entry level. But I've, I, I've applied to it and I've kind of ridden my way into the application and showed how good of the writer I am by the way I approach the application. And then sometimes I've actually got on the gig. So I, I didn't agree with that. But that's like, I know most people actually wouldn't say that it was just one person. So <laughs> you're like, there's one specific person who told me that one. Anything else? Anything else come to mind? I, I, I know wanna, I'm putting I you on the spot. I kind of want to out this person. I want to out this person. But... <laughs> it was me. It just seemed a bit jaded, but um, I can't think of anything on the spot. I feel like that, yeah, that one kind of overshadowed everything. Pretty much all the advice people have given so far have been, been pretty helpful. I think sometimes I just take it and I kind of twist it to suit me a little better. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it's changing. Like, I, I you know, I've never been told you need to get a degree or like you should go to university to study copywriting. So that was really the only one. So you've mentioned the community that you run a couple of times, and I think this may have been how I discovered you and saw that you were out there, but you've created this community for very young copywriters. I think Gen Z, I'm not exactly sure like how you describe that community, but tell us where the idea came from. Like, why did you, you know, with all of the communities that are already out there, Ours is one, obviously. Why another community? What's different about it? So all the other communities out there, I think they're great. Like I joined a few as well, like and they were, they were cool and everything. And I just think some of the times I felt a little bit out of place, like I couldn't really relate. And, you know, I wanted to meet up with people, you know, over the video or whatever like that. And sometimes not just talk about copywriting. And I haven't, I obviously haven't joined your community. So this is just other, other ones, but, um, Sometimes it just felt awkward to like have like a chat about everyday life with like I don't know like a dude like that's older than me. I don't know, it's just with it's a rob, just, with a rob. What are you trying to say right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like oh, let's have a coffee. I don't know. It was just weird, and I, it, you know, that's it, it just me. They were fine, but I also just you know I just didn't feel like I could properly fit in. So I thought, let me create a space you know, just the Gen Z and also people that are wanting to get into copywriting, like young aspiring copywriters. And it started off as a newsletter back in September, 2022. And then that started getting a lot of traction. And I got DMs from other young people saying, hey, can you help me? Can you create a space for us? And I thought, well, there's something here. Let me create it. And now it's, it seems to be going really well. And I think it's just, it's like a safe space just for us to, to obviously learn more about copywriting and, and level up in our career, but also be like super weird. Like there's, the members like created this really weird hamster meme that doesn't make any sense. And then it got into ad age. And I was like, that, that's just weird. Like it was super weird, but yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that because our members also created a very similar, like they use a mole rat uh, as, yeah, it's, it's kind of gross actually, but yeah. Rob never liked the mole. I always liked the mole, a cute little rodent. Who wouldn't like a little rodent as your mascot? I guess I'm wondering, you know, there are, 
other community members, right? Other writers who love community. Not everyone's a community person, but some people like really are excited to start one. So how did you know there's something here I can build from here? You know, you said it's going well. How do you know when it's going well? Because sometimes people start communities and it's like, it's, they don't know. Is it? Is it not? Is it worth putting time into? I think I started knowing it was going well when, I mean, just the, the numbers, like a lot of people my age also don't even know copywriting exists. So it was, it was hard in a way because I was kind of targeting people that didn't even know that what I did existed or like the career existed. Because it's not just Gen Z copywriters I'm targeting. It's, it's also like just Gen Z in general that want to get into writing. And yeah, I mean, I think I have like around 114 members now. It's only been like three, four months and they're paying. And to me that like, that's kind of confirmation that it is, it's going well. And, you know, the community itself is really thriving. Like they're talking about it. They're sharing it without me even asking about it. You know, they want merch. I don't know. That's to me, that's all signs that it's, it's going kind of well. Cause in a way it's almost running itself, like the discord that we have. So yeah. Hopefully it still it still goes well. I guess we can't be in it if we're like I'm Gen Y, so I feel like I might have a better shot than Rob, who's Gen X, but I feel like I might not be allowed either, which is a bummer. How do we sneak in? As a as a as a speaker on one of the calls? No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's I mean, I think it's so wonderful to have that space. Like I didn't know copywriting was a thing either. I mean, it made sense later when I found out, but I didn't know it was a career path. I didn't know it was a freelancing gig until much later. And I wish that I had known in my early 20s, it would have made so many things so much easier. And I think it's great that you are not just reading, uh, reaching writers, but you're reaching non-writers to say, hey, there's this thing you can do too. It, yeah, that's part of the mission because I would have loved to find out about it as well much sooner. I would have like not gone to university at all. Obviously you can if you want to, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. So Carolyn, um, you know, as you think about where you've come in your career, let's just talk about writing advice, you know, whether you're talking to Gen Z or you know, even older copywriters, um, how do you teach people in your community or, how, or your newsletter to become better writers? What kinds of stuff are you teaching? So I, I do give advice like in the newsletter and obviously in the community, there are resources, but a lot of the advice I give in the community is, is built with like other copywriters, like other speakers that have come on. I don't like being like the main source just because I know that also I'm evolving. I'm, I'm still very young. Like I'm just 22 and there's probably so many blind spots I haven't figured out. So a lot of it is like collaborated on with other copywriters that have a lot more experience. But in my newsletter, especially, I think I take an approach of telling people to be conversational a bit more because a lot of young people that I know anyway, when they come into copywriting, they're kind of like, oh, wow, this is way different to like university writing. It's, you know, not super full of jargon and, and, you know, complex words. And like, it's almost like this is thing with synonyms as well. Back in school, it was like the more synonyms you could fit into a piece, like the better it was. Like, and it's just now in copywriting, it's like, you don't do that. And I had to unlearn so much stuff. So a lot of, a lot of that's part of it, but yeah, I do, I do a lot of it's me collaborating with other copywriters in the field that have way more experience than me. So what are some of the downsides that you feel like you've had or obstacles that you've come across as a you know, Gen Z writer coming at it at a younger age, building your business as a freelancer at a younger age that you've overcome that you could share with us? Probably a big one. And this, this sounds really cliche, but not knowing my value and worth and you know, not aligning how much I charge with that. Um, I'm not a big fan of the junior label. I feel like if it doesn't hold you back in your head, that's fine. Um, I just know it really held me back. And that's maybe controversial, but I just scrapped it from my title completely like a year ago. Like I don't use it anymore. I just kind of feel like it's more about how well you can write. So sometimes I feel if you're just as good as a writer as like the senior guy on the team, um, maybe even outwriting him, why shouldn't you get paid more I guess I know experience is super important and that shouldn't be undervalued especially if you've had loads of years in the industry and and everything like that but I also think there's something to be said for fresh emerging talent that is so amazing at what they're doing but just because of their age people look at it and kind of go oh they should get lower pay even though they're putting out the same amazing level of work um, but I do get like they have to be mentored maybe by other people on the team and stuff like that so 
but yeah it would probably be knowing my value and my worth because yeah I got paid quite badly a lot of a lot of the time at the start and I think if I'd known my value and my worth I wouldn't have gotten paid like that especially like negotiation uh I think like that's important sometimes as a freelancer not just going on a call with someone and them asking you how much do you charge and then just spitting out something I prefer to go away and and think about it before just saying a number because I tend to just undervalue my still now I still undervalue myself so yeah let's dive into that just a little bit like how has your pricing changed I know you mentioned the first project was for like 30 pounds or something like that Uh, and of course I mean we've talked to literally hundreds of copywriters and almost everybody has that $25 blog post or the you know the $200 website that they did and and start to realize okay wait this is this is way more time consuming than I thought but how has that evolved uh just from there to where you are today it's I think I've upped my day rate not just that but I've also kind of done this thing called the free tiered payment model it's like this proposal method like when someone wants to work with me, I go away and I do like a free tiered thing. So the first tier is super low, hasn't got much on it. You know, they can't really get that much for it. The second tier is kind of everything they need anyway. And then a more reasonable price. And then the third one is just ridiculous. Um, and usually I've done it before and they usually always pick the middle one because obviously it's surrounded by these two opposites. They've never picked the, the third one, which is actually kind of good because it has way too much stuff in there that I, I'd be able to do. But yeah that that's that's massively helped but I think another thing like I said a a minute ago like just not being pressured on calls I keep making that mistake a lot where I go on a call and they ask and I just go oh I I get paid this and it's actually like yeah but they they're working for a huge brand like I'm sure you could actually ask more you know so just taking time away to think about it and then come back you know that's helped me evolve my rate. All right, let's cut in here. Rob, an idea or two from this conversation. Yeah, so I started bolding out some of the things that really stood out to me as uh, I was re-listening to our interview with Carolyn. Uh, I, I think you just we started out by talking about the things that she quit in order to find the thing that was the better fit. And you know, quitting university twice, we talked a little bit about that. And I think there's something there just worth underlining around if something's not working for you, quitting is not a bad thing. Like, you know, sticking with something that doesn't work for you is not going to produce the results that you want. I think a lot of times we get hung up and even copywriters, you know, we, we're trying to make a business, you know, work and we're not cut out to be freelancers necessarily or to own our own businesses. We, we maybe would be a better fit in house or working for an agency uh, or, you know, maybe there's a, even a better fit from, uh, from writing words to strategy and other kinds of things that we do. And so if, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, this thing I'm doing isn't working. Quitting is not bad. And, and it's probably even better if you're, you know, listening and you're thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher or I'm tired of the profession that I'm in, or I'm a university student and it's, this thing's just not working for me. I want to quit that and do something else. Well, then copywriting might be the thing that, you know, pulls you out of that and makes quitting worthwhile. Yeah, I am great at quitting. I am a master quitter. Um, and I think we can just, you know, do, um, uh, embrace micro quitting in our businesses too. It doesn't mean you're quitting your business, but it's like if you work with a horrible client or have a bad experience or you do something that you're like, ah, oh, I don't know why I did that. That didn't really get the result I wanted. Um, just taking note of it and quitting and not doing that again and making those micro pivots in our business so we can shape it into something we actually like and want to do. Carolyn also mentioned while we were talking about that, you know, as she was thinking some of the things she might do differently if she were, you know, going through that again. She mentioned portfolio school. There are several portfolio schools, you know, that help people build a portfolio, get into advertising agencies. We talked with Luke Sullivan about that when we had him on the podcast a year and a half or so ago. Um, you know, you can obviously start out working in house or working for an agency. So there are other ways to do the things that we do. So yeah, if you feel like, it's not working. Uh, you don't have to wholesale quit. I like, you know, as you said, micro quit, micro quit the thing that's not working and lean into something in your business that is. And so Carolyn is um, not only nurturing this community and building this community, but um, bringing people into the community, which I think is what makes a community powerful. It's introducing people who are outside of a community 
um, into the ideas and opportunities that exist when you're part of the community. And so for there's so many different, you know, Gen Z members who aren't part of the community because they don't even know that copywriting is a career they could pursue. Just like I had no idea when I was in college and in my 20s, I had no idea this was an opportunity until later. And so um, I think that's the power of a community. It's like introducing people to these ideas and saying, hey, you could do this too. And here's how you can get involved. I also, you know, felt like there was an awkward moment because I'm awkward where I kind of tried to invite myself into Carol. want to hang out with the cool kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> and she was very nice about it. But I was like asking if I could be part of the community, even though I'm Gen Y and not Gen Z. And um, clearly, like, I just want to be part of all communities, but I'm not invited I think my attachment is just around the letter Z, you know, because Rob, we've talked about naming and letters and how important they are to people. And the letter Z, Z is really important to me because of my maiden name, which is Zamuda. So anyway, I feel a special attachment to that letter. I just want to be part of it. Carolyn, if you ever bring in special guests, please invite me. Yeah, I mean, obviously we care a lot about communities. We built our own community when some of the other communities that we were in weren't quite what we wanted. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're not part of the free Facebook group, the Copywriter Club, come find us there. But we also build community into everything that we do, into, you know, our Think Tank Mastermind, into the Underground, which is, you know, another paid community for copywriters who are, you know, maybe not where they want to be in their business, but they're just starting out or they're really just trying to make those first investments, do the first things to learn the those business skills. Community is a huge part of success. And I think way too many of us, especially when we're freelancing, working from home, we try to go it on our own. We kind of feel like, well, Google will help me get there. Maybe not chat GPT will help me get there. Uh, and it's just not the same. Uh, it's why we do our in-person events and retreats. It's There's so much power in hanging out with people virtually, but also in real life, communities just make a, a massive difference. So again, if, you, if you're if you not part of one of our communities, please find us online and join. Yeah. And, and you can be part of multiple communities. Each one can serve you in a different way. And as you grow as a business owner, as a creative, um, the communities you need also change too. And so that's kind of the fun part about finding new communities and experiencing them. Kira, you asked about advice that maybe doesn't apply to Gen Z, which was uh, kind of interesting. And Carolyn mentioned, you know, the idea that we shouldn't apply for gigs without the right experience. This is actually something I've seen in a different context where um, when, when we talk about the difference in what women and men charge or earn for their work, oftentimes men will look at a job the job requirements. And if they meet about 60, 70% of the requirements, then they'll submit an application. Women will, uh, and I know I'm generalizing a bit here, but this is from the, the studies that I've seen. Uh, oftentimes they'll look at it. And if they don't meet 100% of the requirements, they won't apply. And because of that, they don't get opportunities where, you know, uh, uh, somebody who's making that hiring decision would have considered them you know, with the 60% of the, you know, hitting, checking the boxes or whatever. And so I know Carolyn was talking about it from a generational standpoint, but this is also specifically, you know, to a, a men, woman difference thing as well. And I think it's worth paying attention to. We should give ourselves permission to apply for things that seem interesting. Of course, if you're totally unqualified, yeah, don't waste somebody's time. But if you're, if you're halfway there and you're interested in it, it might be worth, you know, putting yourself out there. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, you know, I, we were just chatting in our think tank Slack about this very same thing, because I just gave myself a title on LinkedIn um, as of yesterday from a conversation. So I added my title as AIO, which is, you know, Artificial Intelligence Optimization Writer, uh, which is a new title that I'm experimenting with. And um, this, you know, writer we were, I was chatting with was like, hey, how do you feel, you know, how did you feel like you could own that title? Like what gives you the right to own that title, basically? How much experience do you need to have, et cetera? And I just kind of feel like, yeah, women typically do feel like we need to check all these boxes before we can take on a title or apply for that job. And we don't necessarily need to do that if we have some experience and we know a little bit more than the client that's hiring us, then why not do that? Why not own it um, and step into it? 
uh, because titles are made up. They're mostly a joke. I think most of them are dumb, but sometimes they do matter. And so can you look at your own titles and how you define yourself and how you position yourself and just evaluate and be really honest about how you're presenting yourself and is that matching how you want to show up, how you want to serve your clients, how you want to attract people? Um, and if it's not, then you know maybe you should look at your title and how you're speaking about yourself and what you're doing and, um, and take on something that feels a little bit bigger that you want to fulfill, even if you just have a little bit of experience in it. Because as a woman, I guarantee there are other men who are doing that, even though they have less experience than you. Uh, uh, specifically, Carolyn was talking about dropping the junior from her title, uh, which is, you know, we don't need permissions to change our titles. So, you know, I encourage people to do that. If you're not writing at a junior level, for sure, change your title. In fact, uh, as we go back to listening to the rest of this conversation with Carolyn, she's going to talk a little bit more about that experience and how she gained confidence in her writing career and uh, learned more about understanding her own value. So let's go back to that now. I would love to hear just more about what you've done over the last, because it's been about five years, right? Since you started. Yeah. So yeah. over the five years, like what are some of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, what are some of the things you've done um, to attract those bigger name clients that you're mentioning and to stand out, differentiate yourself, to build your reputation and brand? Yeah. What are those, those action steps? I would say, again, like valuing myself and positioning myself as a really good copywriter and, and, and taking away the junior title. That's just me, though. I know some people would disagree with me, but I feel like it's held me back a bit uh, just because there's a natural like perception, I think, in people's heads of the word junior. So I just take it away. I think a big thing for me was creating a proper portfolio website. I know there's a lot of people in my community that still just have like a Google Drive folder which isn't bad at the start like it's fine but like so like if you want to like level up and and start reaching the big shiny brands like it helps to have a really cool portfolio and design is I feel like kind of important because it's aesthetically pleasing and obviously like LinkedIn was a big one for me being more active on there and also just really being myself and not toning down my voice even if I want to work for a brand that's completely different to me like I swear on LinkedIn, I put pictures of like hamsters up. So, you know, just being authentically me, I think is, has really helped. But also I feel like the big brands are also not like great. They're, they're amazing. You know, they're the big sexy brands, but also some of the, you know, the smaller guys are also great to work with and can bring in more stable income. So. Yeah. When you're working with big brands, you, obviously you have to work with their voice. You, you have less impact and smaller, smaller brands. You can maybe do some things that are a little bit more fun. There are definitely trade-offs. Money is a trade-off. Time is often a trade-off and the kind of work that you get to do. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, this newsletter that you put together, send out every week. Uh, we know how hard sometimes the discipline of writing to an audience, you know, consistently can be, you know, we try to email our list every day, although we don't both write every single day. So what, what I could that, not do that. Yeah, it would, would uh, maybe be a, a little much. I, I admire people who do that. But talk to me a little bit about um, your process for, you know, putting together the email, how you're coming up with the ideas, you know, the time that goes into it before you hit send. I basically keep like a bank of ideas, like a Google Doc, and I just kind of add to that throughout the week. Um, anything. I, usually I have to set like some time aside to actually do that. Otherwise, it never gets done. So, because obviously, like, weekly is, is quite a lot, especially when I have all this other stuff going on. And I won't lie, like, sometimes I have read in the newsletter on the day. And it actually comes out really, sometimes actually really good because you're, you're pushed to really make it happen and make it good. But, yeah, most of the time it's in advance. And, yeah, I find right, having an ideas bank really helps. I also find, and this is a bit weird, but, like, sometimes I make, like, Pinterest boards of, like, images. I don't know. I feel like, to me, images really help. I don't really know what I'm putting together when I do it. It's just things that speak to me. Like there has no meaning behind it. I also find that there's a site called Giphy where you can like find GIFs. And it's super weird. Sometimes I just go on there, like scroll through and then like get an idea from looking at a GIF. So yeah, that, that's some of the stuff I do that are a bit weird. Okay. Going to have to steal the Giphy idea. <laughs> you're, uh, like Our next emails will be Giphy based. I love, I love a good Giphy. What else I, I would love to hear more about? creativity and how you channel creativity into 
your business, maybe into the community. And, you know, you mentioned Pinterest. That's a great idea. Giphy. What else do you build into your, your life as a creative so that you feel energized? I think definitely taking time away again. That sounds like everyone says that, but I feel like because my life right now is 24-7 writing. Even though I run the community, I do like all my own marketing as well. So it never really stops. Yeah, I, I do. I surf sometimes. So I find like going to the beach and surfing and like I'm not good at it, but getting battered by the waves and like getting scared sounds a bit sadistic, but like just getting hurled about the ocean kind of brings me back to reality. And I can't really focus on anything else when I'm out there. It's like if you focus on something else, like you're going to get smashed. So that kind of grounds me. And then I come back refreshed and I feel like really grateful for everything. And I feel like sometimes you have to take time away from something you love to kind of reignite it and fall back in love with it. Otherwise, it just gets into this like monotonous everyday thing, a bit like a relationship, you know, two people living together forever. You kind of need to add a bit of like distance and spice to it. So, yeah, surfing does it for me. So you mentioned you're doing all of of the marketing. Talk about that process as well. So, uh, you know, where are you showing up? Where are you attracting people to your business as well as to your community? What are you doing there? So mainly I just use Instagram. I should really get on TikTok, but I really, it's the one thing as a Gen Z that I really should like love and understand, but I really don't. Um, but for me, Instagram has brought like most, nearly everybody, LinkedIn as well, but Instagram mostly. And a lot of the stuff I do to attract people on Instagram, it's, it's either me, poking fun at myself or even you know the community in a way um not taking myself too seriously and just yeah being kind of weird with it I know it sounds that sounds weird in itself but Gen Z humor I find or at least the humor that me and my friends like the 20 young 20 years 20 year olds uh because Gen Z is like from 16 to 26 obviously there'll probably be a difference a lot of the humor is just really unexplainable like my boyfriend's a bit older, he's in his thirties and I was scrolling through like Instagram reels and he just didn't understand any of the stuff that I found funny. Like some of them were like, it was like a picture of a burger and just like weird music in the background. And he was like, what is this? Cause some of my posts are like that. And some of them are not even related to copywriting at all. Like someone in the community has this thing with apple juice and orange juice. And he thinks orange apple juice is better than orange juice. So I made a post on Instagram completely unrelated to the community or copywriting and was like what's better orange juice or apple juice and then I got like hundreds of comments I was like that's weird yeah <laughs> it works like mixing up a bit and not just being super focused on just copywriting I find helps a bit what does it take to build a some of strong is the right word but to build a membership a real membership a real community what are I mean definitely what you've shared already about being authentic you as the organizer and creating and setting that tone from the beginning but what else has have you learned or has surprised you along the way I think two things I found that having a group of like people to help me to set up in the first place like I have a group of founding members they're all Gen Z copywriters and having them to bounce ideas off of and also to move the focus away from me sometimes because I really don't want to it's almost like you're the leader of the community and it's like, I don't want to be like, it's like weird, you know, oh, the leader, like it's weird, you know? So I like to just kind of bring them in and, you know, if stuff does go wrong, you know, if we're all in it together. And another one that was a, a funny learning for me was, and I'm, I think it's weird. I don't know if it's because I'm still quite young and I have to like get used to it. It's like kind of taking my ego out of it. Like it's not about me. Sometimes I really want to do something for the community. I'll ask them like, hey, do you want to do it? And then a lot of them will say no. And I'll be like, it's such a good idea, you know, but it's, it's not about me. It's about what they want at the end of the day. So I'm still trying to like learn and like adjust to that part. You know, as you're thinking through that, what are some of the mistakes that you've made along the way? That's a good one. I think one of them is a bit unrelated to that, but I, we started out on WhatsApp. That was just a massive mistake. It was great, but it was super chaotic. Like you, you went on and it was like a thousand messages in like an hour. And yeah, people were just, it was just one chat. It wasn't like focused on copywriting. It was like everything. And also moderation. I really wanted the community to be open and you could be weird. And, but I didn't really put a line in. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I could say this, but some people suddenly were talking about like BDSM. And I was like, what? This has nothing to do with like, this is weird. 
um, and some people were getting offended. And so I needed to like moderate the community better. So moving to Discord really helped because I could put in bots and I put in rules. So structuring it better and knowing that like, at the end of the day, it is my community and I have to kind of shape how I want that to look. And I don't really want people to talk about stuff like that. So that was a big mistake. I think another one, yeah, it would be the ego thing as well. Um, kind of doing things sometimes when people had already told me like, we don't really want this actually. And I, me just going through with it because I thought they'll see that's a great idea. But yeah, those are the main two things. How do you grow the community from here? What's your, what's your plan looking forward? Is it just like focusing on what's working more Instagram, more being weird on Instagram? What does that plan look like? That's a, it's a big one. I feel like, yeah, I need to continue marketing. I need to try other channels like TikTok. I feel like there's a, there's a big audience on there for me. Um, that's, that's, you know, organic. I sometimes promote this stuff on Instagram using my own funds, which it works really well, but it, you know, it'll be nice to do it organically as well. Um, I think another one would be investment. Obviously, I, you know, I'll continue to grow. You know, if I do the same amount of effort that I am now, I'll probably be at 300 at the end of the year. But, you know, I also have like a time limit on this, right? I'm like, I'm 22. I'm not going to be 22 forever. So I think that like getting investment and just getting a little bit of the shots, you know, would really help because, you know, I'm, I'm funding everything right now with advertising and also getting someone to help with the admin because I feel like I'm answering like 60 messages from different people in one day and stuff that doesn't help with the growth. So taking away the stuff that's not really pushing it forward and then, you know, me focusing just on the stuff that I know will, will grow it. But um, yeah, for me, that's that's the main goal right now. So as we're talking earlier today, you sent out your newsletter and it was focused on writer's block. In, well, that was one of the, the topics. And I know you even created some resources for your community around writer's block. Talk a little bit about that. You know, when you get stuck, what do you do to unstuck yourself? So the funny thing is actually that newsletter I wrote today. So that was one of those so, moments. Yeah, so you were blocked up until, yeah. Yeah, so until that moment, I mean, I went surfing, that, that seemed to help. Also, I feel like I, this is not really good advice actually, but having the pressure of needing to get it in, sometimes you just, you need to write something. But usually when I have writer's block, I, sometimes I use chat GPT, not to copy and paste like you saw in, maybe if you saw in the resources, I just kind of prompt it for ideas. So I might say, hey, I don't say hey to it, but I just go, I'm writing about this. Can you give me some ideas and it will give me like a line and then I might take that and, and execute it creatively if I'm really like struggling that's usually I just I pull something out of somewhere I, I usually go to the bank of ideas and just kind of pull stuff out I also I mean a lot of the stuff I do to overcome writer's block is stuff I've set up already like I'll have the Pinterest board I'll have the I'll have the podcast I like reading and listening to stuff that isn't always copywriting related as well and then writing down a few ideas from that and bringing unrelated stuff together. But yeah, that, that's mainly it for me. But yeah, today was yeah a bit on the edge with, with the newsletter. So. Oh my God, I'm like blanking on the question I was just about to ask. When marketers focus on Gen Z, like all size businesses, we're talking large, maybe smaller ones that want to get your attention. What are some of the mistakes you feel like you see made repeatedly that they need to stop? I think one of them is sometimes using outdated stuff like I think I read a report about what Gen Z do and it was quite recent as well and they were using words like oh Gen Z uses words like chuggy and cray cray and I was like that's <laughs> like no one does that like we that's don't even do I think that's like a Gen Y cray cray maybe Gen Y yeah I was like I don't I mean I, I mean that was just me but then I asked people in my community and my other friends and they were like this is this is a bit much and they were saying like oh we we used emojis for like a certain reason and it's like Actually, we don't. A lot of it's not thought out. It's like people are so like focused on psychoanalyzing, like why we do what we do. And like I said, like the hamster meme and everything like that. Sometimes it's just no meaning behind it. So I really think it helps to hire a Gen Z copywriter or marketer, or get someone Gen Z in, just to kind of look at it and ideate. And I mean, not not every brand that's put out stuff the Gen Z, who them themselves aren't Gen Z, is bad. But if it goes bad. It just looks really cringy. And I think it's a lot easier to get away with being cringe. If you're, if you're Gen Z like me, there's some stuff on my Instagram. It's like, it's borderline like embarrassing, but it's fine because it's, it's more authentic because it's coming from me. 
I feel like there was this one brand called Wilsonville Honda. They're like a car dealership in America. Just no one. They're like a brand that no, it's like the unsexy brand that, you know, no one really knows about. And they have an Instagram and some of the stuff they post is just super weird. And, and it's unpolished. I feel like that's something that really works well with Gen Z, like sometimes making it look not good. I don't, I can't explain it, but making it look super unpolished. And that seems to work well. And, and making fun of yourself as a brand, I think, especially if you're a brand that's a little bit dull and you know it, like it's something to like call yourself out. I just, it, it, not in a bad way, but just recognizing that and, and kind of playing with it and using it to your advantage, I think. And then sometimes also, there's sometimes brands that you don't need to market to Gen Z. You'll never really, you know, be Gen Z. So don't try <laughs> it. You have a market. You have a market of other people that are, are huge. I don't know. You're like a toothpaste brand for like people in care homes. You don't, why? You don't need to go to Gen Z. Like just sometimes it, you don't need to do that, you know? Yeah, you won't remember this. And Kira, you might not even remember this, but like when I was younger, Oldsmobile, which is a very old brand, right? They released a new model and the whole tagline was not your father's Oldsmobile. It was supposed to appeal to younger people. And of course it falls completely flat because every Oldsmobile is an old person's car, right? So <laughs> I, I can see that happening uh, for sure. So Carolyn, you know, you're, you're obviously very young. You mentioned yourself, you could be doing this for a very long time. So where do you see your business evolving to? What do you want to, I mean, this is the horrible interview question, but like five years from now, 10 years from now, like where do you see yourself being in copywriting, whether it's with your community, working with clients, what does that look like? Ideally, I'm not sure what the time frame on this is, but it's ambitious, but I'd like to get to a thousand members. I feel like that would be my, my happy point. Also to make it more sustainable because right now, it's, it's a low membership fee. I think it's like, it's 12 pounds a month, which is great. And it's, it's accessible to young people, but it's not exactly sustainable. And I know that. And so I also want to build something on the side with that. Um, kind of like a recruitment agency, but just the Gen Z copywriters. Cause I've gotten lots of brands reach out to me saying, Hey, we want to dip into your community. And usually I've just been like, yeah, you go have it, you know, dip in. I'm like, actually you're, you're coming into my community. Maybe I should like get a commission or something on this. So I'm thinking of doing that on the side and then that kind of levels everything out but in terms of copywriting it might be nice to write for some some bigger brands as well like that's always it's always kind of like a dream right to write for like coca-cola or like those big brands i haven't done much with them so yeah maybe i mean i found that having this community has opened up a lot more doors for me which has been nice so yeah just kind of seeing where that goes with that and what do you feel like the future of copywriting looks like, especially for other Gen Zers that are considering copywriting and thinking about it, what's possible for them? I think, I listen, I mean, everyone keeps saying this, I do think AI will play a role. I feel like we'll need to learn how to embrace it. I don't know how, how much it will become entwined in work. Um, I, don't think, I don't think copywriting will go away. I don't think it will. I just feel like, you know, if you can learn how to use it and embrace it and, you know, not run away from it, that's probably better. And also, really homing in on what it means to be human because um, chat GPT at the end of the day is a robot you know it's never gonna have that experience of being drunk or whatever like that so <laughs> I'm sorry there was a reason for that there's a McDonald's ad that was it was all messed up and it was like they were slurring their words on a billboard but it, you know a, a robot I don't think chat GPT will be able to come up with that because it's a lot of the stuff it spews out is still quite generic and you have to put your creative input into it so I think that and then also just really homing in on your skills. I don't think, maybe this is mean of me to say, but I, you know, those copywriters that write for like the big content mills and they just churn out stuff, you know, it's kind of the stuff I did at the start, which it was a good starting point. But I feel like those people, I don't know how that will look. I feel like you need to start evolving and, and really be creative and, and not just be mediocre anymore. Like in the future. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's where it's going to go. It will kind of get rid of the, you know what's the saying the wheat from the chaff or something like that so yeah i feel like if you're already good and creative you don't need to worry so i think we agree i think uh ai is going to be an amazing tool uh you can actually get really good stuff out of it but you've got to know how to use the tool and that's a skill set just like copywriting that you've got to build and 
you know, when, when you start getting all of this output from, from AI, it becomes a skill to know what part of it is good, what part of it you should ignore. And that takes copywriting skills as well. So uh, I, think, I think we're in the same place. My last question. So if I wanted to, if any of us wanted to learn how to surf, what are some basic tips you would share with us if we are considering at any point? Not that I am, but if I were to. So a few basic things. Go to a country where there's actually waves. Um, I think in America, you guys actually do have waves. I'm just not sure on which coasts. Yeah, some, some small We've got areas. some waves. We've got some waves where I am. I think enrolling a surf school is really helpful. They're really flexible, so you can do like one or two lessons. And then for the more like general stuff is, I think for me, something I didn't realize was the surf etiquette. There's, there'll be a lineup and there'll be surfers on it, like on a wave. And if you're nearer like where the wave breaks, you can go first. And there's been things I've seen on the beach where people have like not understood that and there's been like fights. So I'm like super cautious of that now. Uh, I always just, I kind of just stay right at the bottom when I get the really bad waves because I'm too scared to like get involved with the others. But yeah, I think also getting the right equipment. I feel like I'm being super serious right now, but yeah, getting the right equipment. Um, I have a big soft board because I'm a beginner, but you kind of narrow it down and eventually get to a board that's like that big. And another one, like a big important one is when you're in the water and there's a huge wave coming and you can't go over it and you're going to get hit in the face. Make sure, that, yeah, make sure there's no one around you and then you can chuck the board. I mean, it's attached to your foot, but like if there's a guy behind you, you're going to hit him and he's going to be annoyed with you. I did that to my boyfriend and he got really <laughs> upset with me. So. <laughs> make sure you like the people that you surf with. That would be uh, yeah. you know, a good hint. Carolyn, if somebody wants to connect with you and learn about your community or your newsletter, where should they go? I would say probably Instagram, which is at the word tonic. So yeah, that's has everything. So, All right. Awesome. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah. Telling us a little bit about your business, your community. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And it's great to, yeah, to meet you and we hope to stay connected. Definitely. Thank you so much, guys. That's the end of our interview with copywriter Carolyn McMurray. Before we wrap the interview, here are just a few key points we want to mention. Rob, kick it off. So again, let's let's talk more about, you know, leaning into knowing the value of, you know, what we do, what we write. Hit it in the first part, but also in the second part. And it's just it's so important to understand that you're not necessarily selling your experience level. You're selling the value of what you create and Carolyn said this, you know, if you write the same thing that somebody with a decade more experience can write, then you should be able to charge for that. And of course, there are all kinds of limits that are we place on ourselves around this, but also, you know, maybe corporations or clients place on us. And so we have to figure out how to work around that. But she's 100% right. If you can bring in money for your client, uh, you know, let's say you bring in $100,000 for your client, you can charge for that and you should be able to charge for you know the same amount as somebody maybe with a decade more experience who's bringing in the same amount. So um, be aware of you know how we limit ourselves and the value that we create, the assets that we create for our clients because they are truly valuable. Yeah, and we just get in our own way there mostly. So <laughs> you know, for most people listening, they're providing a lot of value to their clients and they're not charging for it in general. You know, I think that is the case for most of our listeners. And so making sure that you can define the value that you're creating. And if you don't know what that value is, start asking questions of your clients to, to figure out those numbers and those metrics to start to define that. And it doesn't always have to be about the numbers. It can be about how you made their life easier, how you allowed them to sleep at night, how you allowed them to do have more time for creative thinking or solving another problem because you took something off their plate. So we can define that value in many different ways. And it doesn't just have to be about how much money you made for them, although that helps too. Yeah, we also came back to the topic of building a community. Uh, you know, I know we've already sort of talked through that in the earlier part of the episode, but one thing that stood out here was uh, Carolyn has an approach much like ours, where it's not about her in her community. It's not about you and me in the copywriter club. It's really about how does everybody grow together? And yeah, we do like we're standing in, on stage or, you know, we're the ones hosting the podcast, but 
the focus is usually on the community and the awesome things that people do there. And so it's just a, you know, kind of a, a shared approach to community building that isn't always true of other communities. I don't know, Rob, I kind of, I kind of want it to be all about me, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I like her approach. You know, she's, she's listening Verse, you know, knowing when to listen and knowing when to lead. And I, we've, we've figured that out. We've struggled with it. We've kind of figured it out along the way. It's not always easy. And so if you do have a community or if you're building a community, um, you know, figuring out that balance of like, when do you give people what they want versus when do you need to set some boundaries? And she shared an example of the boundaries she had to set about what she was willing to um, allow in her community. Um, and what she said, this is not appropriate in the community. And so we all have to do that at some point if you lead a community and just figuring out the right balance there and, and what works for you that really creates the culture of the community you're building. Yeah, we've definitely had similar experiences. It's <laughs> it's too bad that BDSM doesn't stand for branding, design, strategy, and marketing, because in that case, it would be wholly appropriate. So, yeah. And let's see, we also talked about how Carolyn keeps everything fresh and exciting and keeps her energy up. And, you know, as she was talking about, it, I could just kind of feel, feel her energy. And she was, you know, she does that through surfing, which is, of course, very cool. Um, Rob, do you surf? Do you, have you surfed? Yeah, I, I live a thousand miles from the ocean, Kira. <laughs> I do not surf. I, do not I mean, surf. You, could, you could surf on vacation. Right. I I mean, I have been on a surfboard, but to okay. say that I surf would be um, ridiculously embarrassing for me oh and unfair to anybody who has actually ridden a wave. So no, that's... I think I want that to be our next photo shoot. I want it to be you and me on a surfboard. Um, I mean, on different surfboards, but yeah, honestly, I think that is probably not a good idea. Yes. So Rob, what do you do though that feels fresh and exciting and maybe, you know, like shakes up the day when you're just feeling stuck or frustrated or just need to get out? Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You know, I run, I bike, uh, you know, I will leave my house oftentimes for a lunch hour, whether I'm going to get lunch or not. Sometimes just getting out of the house uh, helps, you know, break up the monotony of the day. As far as, you know, like having ideas, I do keep an idea journal so that I can go back to it. Uh, you know, if I'm feeling like there's a day where I'm, you know, empty or blocked or however you want to define that. And I can look through that list and say, oh yeah, here's, this is something, um, you know, I've probably got three or four swipe files that, that I use in the same way. So um, similar to, you know, that bank of ideas that Carolyn talked about. What about you, Kira? What are you doing to freshen yourself through the day? Um, I, I did this earlier today. I just kind of got to the point where I was waiting on a couple of things for other people and I was like, I, I hit a wall. And so I just, I went out for a run, went out in nature. There's so many great trails near me. And so just getting out, getting out and away from my desk is necessary some days. And so that helps me. We want to thank Carolyn for joining us on the podcast to talk about her business and the community that she's building. If you want to connect with her, you can find her at The Copy Tonic on Instagram, which we will link to in the show notes. And hey, Kara, we got a five-star review from Rach the Girl uh, this week. So thanks, Rach, for uh, sharing this. I'm just, I'll just quickly read it um, in appreciation. She says, I am so glad I discovered the Copywriter Club podcast about one year ago. Listening to these podcasts and subsequently becoming part of the Copywriter Underground has made me a stronger business owner and a more confident copywriter. Rob and Kira bring on guests who not only share helpful tips and advice, but share their own business journey. I find something applicable to my personal copywriting business journey in each episode. The programs that Rob and Kira offer are stellar as well. Make sure to sign up for their newsletter if you haven't already, so you can be amused by their emails. They're so refreshing and be aware of current course offerings. That's really nice of you to say, Rach. Thank you. So nice. Um, Rachel, please, please reach out to us because I don't know which Rachel you are. I'm I'm guessing, but I might be wrong because there are many Rachels we know. Um, but thank you. That was so generous. Uh, we appreciate you sharing. And before we go, we just want to remind you to check out that new podcast. We gave you a two teaser episodes on this podcast with Sam Woods and Paul Reitzer. Um, but you can check out all the new episodes that are going to come out on AI for creative entrepreneurs. And you can check them out at the website, shockingly, AI for creative entrepreneurs.com. 
Um, or you can check it out wherever you stream podcasts or on YouTube. It's all about how creatives like us can figure out how to use AI in our creative work, in our businesses, without losing our minds or losing hope for the future. And that is the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice, and the outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you enjoyed any of our episodes, this episode, please leave us a review uh, like Rachel. We really appreciate it, and we'll read it on a future episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.